morning. Good morning, everybody. This is my wife I'm hugging there. It's not the Church of the Holy Kiss or anything like that, okay? Just see, what's that? Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice to be 42 today. Uh, so there you go. So, hey, you know what? It is all about Jesus. Just know that. I'm going to talk a lot about that today. And, you know, I, I don't know where you are in your, your walk with God and your exploration of Him or His church. And uh, it's my desire that, as just, you know, if you're here today and you're just checking Him out, that you would just see how much He loves you. And that you would experience that. You'd experience, I don't know what church experiences you've had in the past, but you would experience how much this church loves you too. And how much we want uh, that to engage and have, engage with you in your walk to understand Him. Uh, we're in this series called Renew. And the whole idea of the series is, is that there are certain things that we can engage in and uh, what will re- that will renew us. That, you know, there's times in our walk with, the, uh, with God and our spiritual life that, that we get, you know, burdened down by life or difficulties or circumstances or we get where we feel like we're stuck, you know, and uh, just in honesty. And uh, so what we're talking in a series is here's some things that you can do in your life that can renew you, that can move you forward from where you are, from where you may be stuck to where you want to be. You know, it's all about where you want to be and really it's ultimately about where God wants you to be. And then as you're renewed, your renewal is contagious and that as you're around other people that you actually bring renewal to them as well. And then as you bring it to them and then all of a sudden then the church starts to feel this renewal. And as we uh, experience that together, you can actually influence your entire church. But on the flip side, it's also about church because honestly, church can get stuck. Church can get in a rut and feel like it's kind of the same old thing and uh, churches can get stuck. And so the series is also designed to help our church to look at itself and to say, you know, have we been stuck? What can we do to renew ourselves? And as we as a church get renewed, then it can you know, kind of have the flip side result is that then it helps groups to be renewed and it helps individuals to be renewed as well. And we're looking at that. And I just want to kind of walk through where we've been. Uh, if, in case this maybe it's your first time with us or you know, maybe some of us had to miss because of holidays or different things. As where we've been is this. On the first week, uh, Fritz Mogus spoke, and he spoke from Isaiah chapter 40, and he talked about the idea, uh, the bottom line was, is that those who trust in the Lord will gain new strength. That's the theme for our series. And he looked at Isaiah 40, and Isaiah 40 was written in a time when the nation of Israel was feeling like God had abandoned them, that God was absent. And we learned that day that anytime we feel that God is absent, that's when he's probably the most present, that he's, pro- he's with us there. And anytime we feel like God's not working in our lives, uh, that we can't see it, that we need to realize he's always working and he's always there and he's with us. And we were so encouraged by that. And then the next week we talked about prayer and we talked about our church prayer for the year. And uh, it's from Ephesians chapter three. And, you know, as I was feeling God leading us to this, as we started, you know, several months ago, uh, looking at what our church prayer would be for the year, I had no idea personally how this prayer was going to impact me. Uh, And so I just want to encourage you, if you're not engaged with us, that we have this prayer uh, from Ephesians three, we're praying uh, a prayer a day, Monday through Friday. And then on Saturday, we're praying all five prayers. And then on Sunday, we come and we just celebrate what God's done in us. And we go back and we do it again on Monday. And one of the really cool things about doing this 
is that I pray the prayer, but then I'm meditating on a verse every day. And there's, pow- there's such power uh, in meditating on the Bible and God's Word. And, and so you're saying, well, Ron, it's the same thing every week. And I, yeah, isn't that great? Because what happens is, is he shows you something new as you do this. And, uh, you know, we can never plumb the depths of God's word, can we? And so he shows us some new truth. And so I just want to encourage you. There are bookmarks all over the lobby that have that prayer. If you want to engage in that as well, that would be really cool. And then the next week, uh, Mark led us to really en- embrace the idea of being in groups. And uh, I really love uh, your response to that. Is how many people said, you know what, I've never really tried a group yet, and so I'd like to try one. And so you've been engaging, been figuring it out, because you realize that spiritual growth can happen best when I'm in a circle. It's great when we come together in rows, but it's when we get in circles that uh, community can speak into it in a way that just can't happen when we're in here. Uh, and we do that. And then the next week, we talked about engage. And I talked about two ways that we can engage, and one is through serving, and one is through giving. And I was just blown away, honestly, by how many of you said, I'm Enron, I'm going to serve, and you signed up to serve in that way. In fact, our staff has just been kind of overwhelmed, uh, and with joy, actually, <laughs> how many people said they'd be willing to serve. So if it's taking them a little longer to get to you, just give them some you know, grace, they will get there, because we want everyone to have an opportunity. But we also talked about giving that day, and this is where you really amazed me. And that was in your willingness. Some of you said, you know what, Ron, I've never thought about what you said that day. My family, we're going to become percentage givers. Because as God blesses me, if I just set an amount that I'm going to give, as God blesses me, well, then that's just the same amount all the time. And I really don't get to celebrate what he did for me when he gave me extra. When I'm a percentage giver, I get to just share a percentage back to him all the time. And how many of you said that you'd be willing to sign up to do that because it's as you give that our church is able to impact the world. And that's what we talked about last week. We talked about impact and Pastor John talked about the fact that we would come together and that we would show and share the love of Christ with our world. And so today what I want to do is I'm going to come today and I'm going to invite all of us to get in on what we think that God's doing in our church. Okay, we're going to talk about our church's mission today. And what I want to do is I want to invite you to get on an adventure. We're going to go on an adventure together as a church. And you know what? We don't know where God's going to take us. We can't see into the future. But we just know that he's made promises about what that adventure would be like. How many of you saw the Hobbit movies? You saw, you know, you like Hobbit kinds of, you know, those kinds of fans. Well, that'd be my family. I have a junior high daughter and me. And we both love those movies. And so we kind of do that in tandem together. And uh, just really, really like those movies. Well, in the first one, uh, the, I'm going to set the scene for you a little bit. In the first one, uh, we, the movie starts with Bilbo Baggins sitting on the side of a road, smoking his pipe in all of his comfort, okay? You've got to know that hobbits are all about comfort. They're all about self-preservation. They're all about fulfillment of the moment. And he's sitting there, and Gandalf comes up to him and invites him at that moment to go on an adventure. Well, because hobbits aren't wired that way, his first response was, you must be looking for the people down the road. Those are the people who like adventures. We don't like adventures because we're into comfort, and we're into all that comfort might bring us. And then, you know, later on, Gandalf actually comes to his house to spend the night. And they're there, and he, you know, wants to talk to him again about this adventure. And he, you know, shares with him what it would be like. And he shares with him that if you go on this adventure, I can't promise that you'll come back. And if you do, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. And once again, the hobbit first thought is, 
that means change, and I'm into comfort, and so he, didn't, he chose not to go again. And then he went in and fell asleep, and he woke up the next morning, and Gandalf and all the dwarves were missing. Let's kind of watch how that all played out. Can I help you? That remains to be seen. I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. An adventure? Now, I don't imagine anyone west of Bree would have much interest in adventures. Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things. You'll have a tale or two to tell of your own when you come back. Can you promise that I will come back? No. And if you do, you will not be the same. That's what I thought. Sorry, Gandalf, I can't sign this. You've got the wrong hobbit. It's really so cool to look at that and the reticence and then the emptiness of saying no and then the joy of saying yes, the joy of finally saying I'm going to go on an adventure. You know, and what I want to do today is I want to invite you to go on an adventure with this church. You know, I, I can't promise you, honestly, that everything's going to go smoothly because we're all, you know, honestly, this is an imperfect church, okay? I can't promise you that it's going to always be, you know, so awesome and wonderful. But what I can promise you is this. If you will go with us on our adventure together, if you will join in, you will never be the same. I can promise you that. You will never be the same. So why don't you grab your message notes and let's look today at the adventure I'm inviting you to go on with this church, okay? We're going to read these verses from 2 Corinthians 5, and these have been our theme for the last several weeks. We'll use them again tonight when we come back. We'll use them again next week and the following week as well. 
but I want to read these because they really give us the motivation and the emphasis, I mean, the impetus and the inspiration for what we're doing. It begins by saying this, verse 14, Christ's love controls us. So first thing we need to know right up front is that everything we do to the best of our human abilities, we are doing it because of Christ's love, because we've experienced Christ's love, and because Christ's love has impacted us so deeply, we can't stand to let other people go without knowing who he is and experiencing what he wants to give. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. Would you underline that on your nose just so you can go back? If you have your Bible, highlight it in there. They will, they will live for Christ who died when was raised for them. So we will say, because of his love, because I've experienced his love, because his love is so amazing, because his love is so overwhelming, I can't stand to... Think about the fact that someone else wouldn't know his love. And because I have a life that I didn't have before, I'm going to step out and I'm going to let other people know about that same love. And so our motivation is love. Our inspiration is love. Love is what moves us. Love is what guides us to accept a mission that really isn't for us. It really isn't for the people who are here. Really, the mission that God's called us to live and to be about are for all the people that God still says, I sent my son to die for them. I want them to know my love as well. Love is what moves us to give up our own agendas, to pursue a higher calling together. Now, notice that we put our mission statement there. I've been given the, you know, talking about this for the last year or so, and, and I just want to kind of you know, bring it before our attention so that we can see it and kind of unpack it a little bit today and what it means. Our mission statement is this, and, and I'm going to ask if you would, since it's a we thing, let's read it out loud together. Okay, ready, go. We are leading as many people as possible into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So in, in various forms, we've been saying the same thing for 22 years. Someone asked me recently, they're starting a church in Nevada, and they were asking me for help, and, uh, and they said, you know, I remember they were at Twin Cities when we were, you know, really young, like in 1992, 93, and so they, I remember in 1992, you said there were some things that were non-negotiable. You had them in print. What were they? So you know, I went back through, and I'm a pack rat, and I was able to actually find the documents from 1992 and 93. Some of you are going, I can't imagine what your office looks like. Well, guess it's what it's like. And so I found it, and I pulled it out, and I read on there our mission statement, and it was almost identical to this. You know, it hasn't changed that much over 22 years, but it's gotten more fine-tuned in how we carry it out, okay? And it's, it's got two, two aspects of it that you want to look at. The first aspect is this. We are leading as many people as possible. So the first idea is, is that our church is going to have a funnel, and the funnel is going to be as wide as we can possibly keep it at all times so that anyone, no matter who they are, where, they've, where they come from, what they've experienced, how they've been hurt by church or by people who believe in God, God, wherever, whatever their addiction might be, whatever their hang-up might be, whatever life circumstances they're in, that anyone would be able to find a way into the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we want to keep it as wide as possible, as wide as possible, so that we can speak to issues that people deal with, and then we can show them that the hope is in Jesus Christ, so that we can speak to struggles that people are going through, so we can speak to hopes that people have, to dreams that they have. And then here's how Christ can come in and he can change your life and he may change those dreams. He may change those struggles, but it doesn't matter if he does or not because you get to do it with him. Amen. 
You get to walk with him everywhere you go. And so we want to keep the funnel as wide as possible. But notice the second part. The second approach is into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So the second part of our mission is that we want people from wherever they may come from to come to a point where they experience the love of Jesus Christ. They say yes to him. And then we want to help them grow so that they end up looking like Jesus Christ. So they grow to be like him. And that's the second part of our mission. Is we, first, we want people, we want to be wide and we want to be deep. We want to be wide and we want to be deep and help people move into a relationship with him. So that is our mission statement. And I'm going to comment just a little bit, and I'm going to talk about how we could live that out. What's our strategy for how to do that? But before I do, I want to read these verses to you from Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus says, he came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. You might just circle that word, go and make disciples. So he's saying, go and make people who are not disciples. That means they haven't said yes to Jesus Christ. Present me to them, and then let them say yes or no to me. And if they say yes, they become a disciple. They become a follower of Jesus Christ. Then, baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then, Teach, here's the grow part, that was the wide part. Now the grow part, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I give you. And be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. To the end of the age. Now, before I move on, I don't want any of us to be confused about something. I don't want us as individuals or as pastors or as leaders or as a church to be confused about this. Before we talk about our mission, I, I want to make one thing extremely clear today. And, and if you, all of a sudden, you're just going to tune in to me just for this moment, and you tune it out after I say this, if this is the only thing you get today, I want you to get this. Please hear this. Our mission, whatever it may be, begins with Jesus. It begins with Jesus. It begins with him. See, it has to begin with Jesus, because without Jesus, there is no good news. Without Jesus, there is no gospel. We're going to look at that next week. We're going to look at that grace that he gave us, and we're going to celebrate communion together. Without Jesus, there's no hope, as we just talked about, as we sang about Jesus Messiah and the hope that he brings. Without him, there's no hope. Without Jesus, we have absolutely nothing. See, we get all caught up in things like politics, and we think that, wow, if the right political party's in, you know, in control, then everything is going to be great. But I just say the right political party can be in control, and without Jesus, we still have nothing. 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 We can have the right set of morals. Without Jesus, we have nothing. We can fight for the hungry, fight for the poor, fight for the abused, fight for the enslaved, fight for the trafficked. But without Jesus, we have nothing. We can have the right job, but without Jesus, we have nothing. We can have the right spouse, but without Jesus, we have nothing. But yet what most churches and most people get caught up in is they get caught up in trying to solve all those other issues... And they leave out the fact that without Jesus, we have nothing. And so we say, no, at Twin Cities, we're going to start with Jesus. We're going to start with him. Because Jesus is the only way that someone's life can be made better. Jesus is the primary need. He's the essential thing that every man, woman, and child has. And without Jesus, I'll just say it, 
it's not possible to experience life in its fullness without him. No matter what a person has, no matter what a person has accomplished, no matter what a person gains, they are still empty without Jesus. I'm going to show you a picture. This is Kelly Clark. Kelly Clark, Olympic snowboarder. Uh, She was the uh, two-time medalist in snowboarding events. She won the gold in 2002. She won the bronze in 2010. Okay, 2005. She's been in competition, and that day there was, uh, in the qualifying rounds, uh, that there was another snowboarder that didn't qualify. Kelly did. And so they're back in their changing room. And the snowboarder that didn't qualify was distraught, as you can imagine, that didn't qualify for the finals. And then another snowboarder came up to the one who was distraught and said, I know it hurts. God loves you. That's all she said. She's the other one. Kelly's listening. And what Kelly was feeling and thinking is, you know what? I've had all this success. I've, I've gained so much. I've gained all this popularity. I'm at the peak of my sport. And everybody's looking up to me. And my life is empty. So what she did that night is she looked up that other snowboarder in their motel room and went to her and said, I want to know about a God who loves me. And they sat together in that motel room, and that night, Kelly Clark said yes to Jesus Christ. She said yes to Jesus Christ because she knew that her life was empty. She said yes to Jesus Christ because there was another person in another place who was just standing there and just spoke her faith out. Spoke her faith out, as Kim shared today and talked about in that song. They spoke it out, and then Kelly Clark wanted that. And look at her snowboard. Look what it has on there. Oh, my word. She's in the Olympics now. Pretty cool to see. See, God has called his church, Twin Cities Church, each of us as individuals to be part of his great adventure. And part of that adventure is to lead as many people as possible into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the mission that God has given us because without Jesus, there is absolutely no way to God. So we have a twofold strategy then how we're going to do this. And I'm going to give you the first part right now. You can fill this in. The first part of our strategy is this. We do this by creating irresistible environments. Irresistible environments where unchurched people, wide funnel, unchurched people love to attend. So they love when they come in, they're like, whoa. Think about church a minute. Whoa, I didn't know church could be like this. Or they come into a community group and there's, you know, people who accept them. Oh, I didn't know Christians could be like this. Or they get served in some way in the community. Ah, I didn't know that Christians really cared. I didn't know the church cared. So what we want to do is create environments where unchurched people look at it and they're amazed and they say, I'm going to attend. And then they, as we say it, at some point get to hear a well-articulated presentation of Jesus Christ in the gospel and then they get the courtesy to say yes or no. They're given the courtesy to say yes or no. And our hope and our prayer is always that they will say yes. And at the moment they say yes, then they are connected to Jesus Christ. They become a disciple. And then we will help them take next steps. We're going to have baptisms tonight. Baptisms is one of the first next steps that a person who said yes to Jesus Christ would take. We're going to help them to see what their next steps are. And then here's the really cool thing. They will invite their friends. 
they will invite their friends, that they will invite their non-church friends, their unchurched friends, those churches, those friends who say the church is a hater place. They'll invite those friends. They'll invite them to a church that's all about love so that they, because they want their friends to experience the same love they've just experienced. And that's what we get to do together. Now, Jesus was really clear that he expected his followers to go as he did. Look at what he said. He said in Mark 16, 15, he said, go into all the world. By the way, your world, you might look at this and say, are you asking me to go to like Iran or Africa? Uh, What is Jesus asking me to do? The world is your circle of, your sphere of influence. The world is your sphere of influence. And it may end up being across the, you know, the globe and across the oceans in some way, but it's your sphere of influence. Go into all the world and preach the good news. What's the good news? <laughs> that Jesus loves them. Preach the good news that Jesus loves them to everyone and then live it out. And so we're supposed to be taking our reality and our reality is that we know the love of Jesus Christ to the world. And we're supposed to do it in a way that people can receive it people can receive it. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9. Find it here. He says, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. So he's saying, here's what I, I want to keep the funnel wide, so I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I don't become the stumbling block, and then I present the, just the love of Jesus Christ without the barriers that Jesus Christ, that sometimes the church puts up, because I want people to know his love. I want people to experience his love. Now, several years ago, I can't recall exactly when, but it was, a, it was in a January or February series, because we were talking about our vision and mission. And uh, I was talking about the idea that God, God's salvation is open to everyone. And so we have to make sure to always keep it open so that everyone can experience him. And I was talking about, I used a ladder as my illustration that day. And actually I had a ladder here up on stage. Some of you might remember that. And the idea is this, is that when I say yes to Jesus Christ, I step up one step onto the bottom rung of the ladder and I take a step up. So I take a step up on, on the ladder. I've said yes to Jesus Christ. And now I'm starting to take my next steps. I'm starting to grow in him. And so I'm literally, you know, spiritually taking steps up the ladder as I'm growing in Christ. And what I shared with you that day is that what typically happens is that as people who know Jesus Christ and as churches become full of people who've known Jesus Christ for a long time is that as we go up, we don't just go up the ladder, we actually take the rungs out as we go up. Not intentionally, but we take the rungs out because we only speak to people who are speaking at where I am, at my level, where I'm at. And so someone else comes in, I'd like to be like you, but I can't get there. And so what we have to do as a church is we have to make sure that as we continue in our stepping with him, growing in him, is that we keep the ladder rungs all the way to the bottom so that anyone who walks in our door at any time can hear about the love of Christ and experience him so that we have to make sure our language is the kind of language that normal people would use. And that they would experience joy, and they would experience happiness, and they would experience the love of God, and that they'd want to get on the ladder, and we've made sure that the, we have people right there at the bottom to help them on the ladder all the time, and help them get up. So we want to make sure to keep the funnel wide, to keep it as wide as possible. I better stop there. Okay, second one is this. We're creating irresistible environments, and we're also creating inspiring opportunities. Inspiring opportunities. 
where followers of Jesus grow in their faith. So this is the second thing that we're doing, inspiring opportunities where um, people grow in their faith and demonstrate confidence in God and his word. So this is the next part. And so this is where I just want to say right up front that even though these next verses, these are my theme verses that I carried since I you know, was first studying the Bible back in college and I felt that I was called to be a pastor. And I said, this is my verse. These are my theme verses for my life. Look at what it says. We tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. And I feel like I've really grasped hold of that part. We want to present them to God, mature in their relationship to Christ. And I feel like that's my heart's desire as well. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So first of all, it's all about Jesus, and he, he inspires us to, he empowers us to do it. Now, what happens is, and I believe what's happened in our church over the last 22 years, is that I think that we've done a great job of keeping the funnel wide. And, and I think we've done a marginal job about helping people take this next step to grow deeper in their faith and their relationship with God, to have the kind of knowledge, the kind of experience that would change them. And so this is why we've restructured our church. We restructured it and said, you know what? If we're going to be doing this, helping people go deep, helping people grow in maturity, then we need to allocate resources that direction. It's not going to happen because we just say it. And so Mark's sitting right over here. We said to Mark, hey, Mark, I know you've been doing student ministry for how many years, Mark? I can't remember ever. He's young, so I won't say how long he's been doing it. Okay, and we just said, hey, if we're going to help people to grow, we need to allocate church resources to that. And so we're going to restructure your job, and we're going to ask you to move out of student ministry, and we're going to ask you, for the first time in the life of our church, we'll have one person focused on, one pastor leading the charge to focus us on helping people to grow in their faith, helping people to do that. So we realize that it's a weakness we have. And yet we don't want to stay that way. We want to continue to help people in their growth process. Now, I was just reading yesterday. uh, A brand new study came out, okay? And it was was, uh, comparing churches, and they call churches outward-focused churches or inward-focused churches. Outward-focused churches would say the the funnel is wide comes first. Inward-focused churches would say the going deep part comes first. And here's what they discovered. This is amazing. What they discovered is, is that in outward-focused churches, an outward-focused church, and they, I don't remember how many churches they surveyed, but it was a lot. And when they looked at churches that were outward-focused, they had a plan to help people come in, and they had a plan to help people grow. They had both plans. And that doesn't mean they're working. We had a plan. doesn't mean we were working both as well as we could have. Here's what they discovered about inward-focused churches. And inward-focused churches believes they're for the people who are already there, right? They're they're for the people that help us all grow deeper, help us have more knowledge and more learning. What they discovered is inward-focused churches had a plan for helping people grow deeper. They had absolutely no plan at all, none, for reaching people who don't know Christ. So they saw as their primary focus to be a station that grew people, and they missed out on half of the Great Commission half of the Great Commission. And so what we want to do is we want to be both, and so we're working hard to do that. And look at what Paul says. He talks about the whole idea of helping people grow in Ephesians chapter 4. He says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. He gave the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. I just want to pause there just for a moment. Uh, And here's the way this reads 
in practice in most churches, okay? This is practice, okay? Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to do his work and build up the church. That's the way it works in most churches. And by the way, most pastors, I think they look at that and say, that's job security. You know, I'm going to do all the work, and everybody gets to come, and they get to applaud me for doing all the work. But that's not biblical. The biblical model is, and this is where, you know, where it's why I'm inviting you on a mission, because we need everyone to do this. The biblical model is, is that the pastors get to equip the people, it says, to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So that says, as we do the work that God's called us to do, the church will be built up. But if we don't do our work, then the church won't be built up. It's just that clear. That's the mission he's called us to. And he goes, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we, we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Complete standard of Christ. So that's the mission. The mission is, is that we will be wide and we will be deep and we are going to create irresistible environments so that unchurched people can be attracted to those. They can connect and say yes to Jesus Christ. They can take their next steps and they will invite their friends to come join them. We're going to in provide inspiring opportunities so that we can get to know God's word and then as we embrace it, we can have confidence in it to live our lives based on what God says. And that's what we're calling you and us to be and do as a church. So what does it look like when we do that? What's our win? Well, look at these next three lines. You want to write this in. If we're this kind of church, here's what's going to happen. We will be people who love God. We will be people who love God. And here's how we can measure if we're doing what God's called us to do, by the way. We will be people who love God. I know this one's a little bit harder to measure. Uh, but we're going to work on how to do that. We will be people who love people. Now, this one's a lot easier to measure because you can, you can tell if someone's loving you or not, right? Yeah, you can tell by the tone. You can tell by the attitude. You can tell by the words. You can tell by the frustration. Uh, you can tell by, you know, the, the talk when someone is, not, is prideful. You can, you can tell all those things. In fact, if you really want to know what loving people is, the New Testament has 58 one another's in it one another's, and the 58, you just Google 58 one another's in the New Testament, and you're going to find them. And that all of those give examples of how we are to treat one another. And so you can tell how we are doing by that. You want to read Romans 12. Romans 12 also gives a list of how the church should love its members, love the people who are part of it. So you can do it. So we're going to measure that as well. And then the last one is we will serve our world. We will serve our world. We had some people, at, uh, you know, we're doing this experiment with our journey classes, and so I had my first one on Wednesday evening. And uh, so I get to know the people in the class, and I was connecting with some, a couple in the class, and they told me that the reason they were saying that they wanted Twin Cities Church to be their church is because of our reputation in the community, because of our reputation that we care. And then because of our actions that we are actually out serving our community. By the way, I just want to give a plug for this evening. This evening is all about celebrating how God has blessed us to serve our world. And I'm not talking about our local sphere of influence. And we're going to get together. And, you know, uh, last week, I know some of you were disappointed when Seattle won. Some of you were, you know, wanted it to be, have a different outcome. And some of you were celebrating that Seattle won, but Seattle loved it. 
And Seattle had a party this week, and they had a parade, and they threw confetti, and they celebrated the fact that their team had won. And tonight is our post-Super Bowl party where we're going to celebrate what God has done. And we're going to have baptisms, we're going to have songs, we're going to have choir, we're going to have stories, all kinds of ways that God has used our church to serve our world this year, 2013. Now, here's Jesus' promise to us when we say, I'm going to join in mission. He says this, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And what he says to us, as he said, because this may be true, you may never come back. When Kim and I said yes to California, we had no idea that we would be in California the rest of our lives. You may never come back but you will never be the same. And you've got his word on it. Let's pray. Well, Father, I thank you so much that you love me that much. That there was a time when a church was wide open because it had to be for me to fit in. And that church had a focus help people who were so far away from you they couldn't even lift their heads come to know you. And I'm so grateful that there are churches like that. And I pray that our church will always keep that as a leading edge to be wide. Father, I know that there, I know that there are people in the room who have never said yes to Jesus. They didn't know that they could be acceptable to God through Jesus. And if you've never said yes to the forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ, I want to give you a chance to do that today. And so just right in your mind, in your heart, you can pray with me. Jesus, as much as we understand it today, we want to say yes to the forgiveness that Jesus made possible when he died on a cross. Because that cross, that death, paid the penalty I deserved for the sin I had done. And when I say yes to that, I receive cleansing and forgiveness. And thank you, Jesus. And Jesus, I want to live the rest of my life following you, growing in you, helping other people find your love as well. Father, I know that they're in our room, that there have been people that they've been part of church before, and they've been coming to Twin Cities and sitting in chairs, and, and they've been either burned or hurt or uh, in some way that, that they are holding back on saying yes to the mission. Lord, I, I know we're not a perfect church, and as I invite people to become part of us, I know that there's a possibility that they could be hurt. God, I, I pray today that, that any of us wouldn't let that keep us back from joining in on your mission because it's in the adventure that we're healed. It's in the adventure that we find life again. Father, I know that there are people in the room and they're all on board and they've been on board the whole, the whole talk. They could have given my talk for me today. And they're so thrilled about what you're doing in them and the church that they believe in. And God, I pray for all of us today that we would all hold true 
to the vision you've given us, to the mission you've called us to, and we would go on this adventure with you with the promise that we'll never be the same. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.